So I bet you thought it would never come. We're finally back for season number three. We're jumping for joy over here. Well, we're sitting, but yes, we were jumping for joy that we actually got to come back after a very long and drawn out hiatus. Well, yeah, you, you know, it's, I've missed it, as have our fans. Yeah, a lot of people have been kind of bugging us. When are you going to come back and do it again? Well, we're back here. We're doing it again. Got a whole bunch of new things in store, but uh, in case you don't know who we are, I'm Matt. And I am the one that is known as Pokey, who has imaginary little fringe jumping around up and down for joy inside his head. You are fucking weird. I actually think that's my longest intro. I don't know. I think so. But getting back on track to things that matter. So with the start of 2016 um, and the end of 2015, what the hell happened? Like, it seems like anybody who was remotely somewhat popular uh, has died. And anybody who was British, um, you had cancer and you have died. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've can, can ever I just, heard. Can I stop you? Go ahead. We're, we're going about people who died, and yet here we are, we're coming back. Really? We're, we're celebrating, like, the beginning of our season with something so depressing. Well, no, it's a celebration of their careers and of their life. So, in the first podcast of They Go to Eleven for 2016 in season number three, uh, it's more of a tribute type of show this time around because we're talking about the uh, the lives of Lemmy, David Bowie and Scott Weiland you know it was a shock when Lemmy died I mean I knew that he had cancer and I knew that you know he wasn't himself but it just came so quick then um, well even before that Scott Weiland died before Lemmy you know I, I have to say though, the whole thing with Scott mm-hmm. Weiland it's sad to say it this way, and I'm really sorry. I'm sorry if I offend people, but it was one of those things that you knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know when it was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean... I mean, s- you say that with everybody. You say that with, with well, death in general. Well, hi, well, hang on. When we saw Scott Weiland, or when we attempted to see Scott Weiland in the Stone Temple Pilots um, way back, but uh, when we saw them, they were an hour late on stage. Um, I don't know. I think 99... 99- Point five percent sure it was drug related, or if he was just being a prima donna. But no, you know it's it's just weird though because God, what was that? It was like two thousand seven, eight. Yeah, two thousand and eight, I think. I don't know. We have to go through the ticket book. But yeah, he, uh, you know, he's always had a massive drug problem in. You know, he was on again, off again, on again. Then I think he was off, but then his believe drummer or bassist in this bassist. new band gave him like heroin and like Jesus Christ man I don't know was it the bassist I don't know it was whoever one gave him the it heroin it doesn't matter whoever Just, gave him the heroin was the same guy who gave heroin to the other band member who died well he, then you know you, you knew Scott Weiland had a severe drug problems for so many years but yeah like you never thought he was actually going to die I mean look at Keith Richards I mean, what did he do for a million and one years, and he's still alive? I, <coughs> Transfusions. Well, actually, that brings me to Lemmy. 
Now, with Lemmy, one of the most interesting facts that I learned after Lemmy had passed, yes, we all know Lemmy, you know, huge drinker, and Jack Daniels um, with they, the Jack and actually... Coke thing, and I found this out, this is very interesting too, that uh, Food and Beverage Magazine is a huge deal in the industry. They officially changed the name of a Jack and Coke to Lemmy. I know. So I, I can't. I can't wait to order one oh when I go God. on vacation. Lemmy had such an impact on Jack Daniels that Jack Daniels made an official statement after his death. They also changed the labels on the Jack Daniels bottles to have Lemmy on the Jack Daniels bottle for uh, like a special shipment. Then there was also another special shipment of the single barrel Gentleman's Jack that was labeled especially for Motorhead. And that was extremely limited edition. That was like a hundred and something dollars a bottle. Damn. That was insane. But I have funny, not been up on my alcohol lately. Well, it has nothing to do with alcohol. It has to do with Lemmy. And another interesting fact, one of no, the most... But, inter- but, but you know what? When it comes to whiskey and scotch, I'm usually like on that. Nah. This, this was... I mean, you had to be in the right place at the right time to find this out. But one of the most interesting facts that I learned when um, Lemmy passed was during his life because he did so many drugs and drank so much alcohol it actually turned out that when he tried to get a blood transfusion they refused to give him the transfusion because the clean blood would kill him wow that's how bad his blood was wow I wonder if it's the same with Keith Richards Uh, who knows but um that was Lemmy and Bowie Bowie was the biggest surprise. That was a shock. That that one, he just, I don't think anybody knew. No, well, I mean, obviously him and his wife knew, but it turns out that when, um, you know, he he just died, and like I think it was like a month earlier, he put out a, a new album. No, it wasn't a month earlier. It was so, it was something ridiculously close. It was like close. two days after he died. No, like he died, no, and it was no, set no, to no, release no, no. the. Trust me. January 8th was the release date of the album. When he did he die? Died after that. Nope. What date did he die then? He died literally, I think it was like two days before or three days before it came out. No. I don't think so. I remember it. He died on a Friday. The album came out on a Monday. I could have swore that. Uh, Let's see. Is Pokey right? I got ahead. You tell me if I'm right. No, he died January 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah. I knew the album came out before he died. Well, it wasn't two weeks. It was four days. Okay. Well, anyway, he died right after putting out this album. Now, normally, you know... Wait, wait, wait. Is that that the date on iTunes that that came out? Because it always comes out on iTunes first. Yes. The date that the album came out is on iTunes, and the date that he died... Is and on. when did it come out on actual CD? It doesn't matter. It came out on iTunes. The album was out. You could purchase it. We don't go by CD release dates anymore. Nobody does that. Pokey does it. You don't buy CDs. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, with anybody else who, you know, in recent memory has passed from cancer, they've kind of pulled away. Like, like let me stop touring. And there was, there's been a couple other musicians that have passed in recent memory that just haven't been on tour because they've been sick. But Bowie, you know, was working right up until the end. Wasn't Lemmy, like, didn't Lemmy 
cancel a few shows like the they month before. Yeah, they canceled a couple of shows on the last tour because of his illness. Mm-hmm. But all of this talk of death, it's time to celebrate life. So what we've done is we're not doing a top 11 no, we, we can't come up with no. 33. There, We're sorry. We no. love you all. That's a, that's a lot of work that I just don't have time for. But what we've done is we are doing the top five of each of the three artists. So you're still technically getting 15 from you're us. Getting, you're getting five bonus when you come to Pokey because Pokey has six on one of them. Oh, uh, well, look at you. You're Mr. Fucking Special. I am. I break the rules every time. Haven't we learned this? All right. For those of you who have listened to the first two seasons, you know that I am notorious for breaking the rules. Well, let's start with uh, pick a number, one, two, or three. <sighs> let's go three. All right. So you picked the Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, come on. Can't that be the last? Like, that's... Nope. You picked it. All right. All right. So we're going to start out with the Stone Temple Pilots. So number five or six, whatever you put on your list. No, because I have two of them tied. So we'll, we'll go, go number five. Number five. Number five, I have plush. Okay. I, I it's, it's so weird when it comes to Stone Temple Pilots, but it's just one of those songs where it's one of the well-known ones. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly one of those ones that kind of turned me on to Stone Temple Pilots, but... There's just so many better ones. <laughs> right. All right. My number five is actually one of the most recent Stone Temple Pilot songs that I've gotten into. And the reason why is because this is the song that the guys in the Stone Temple Pilots exclusively dedicated to Scott Weiland. They put together an entire video of them going back and listening and kind of being haunted by how well Scott Weiland tracked on this particular song. And they had like the whole mixer. I saw that. I saw that video. They were able, they took the the master tape and they were able to take in and out different things on the song. And they left just Scott's voice with some acoustic guitar. And then they put him in with the bass and just did a whole bunch of different things. The song is an amazing song and I'm surprised I'd never heard it before that video but it is definitely become one of those deep stone temple pilots tracks that i love and um you know after only hearing it for like the last month and a half uh number five is atlanta from the number four album that's the black cover with the white star and uh it's just such a great song and that was the first time that they came back after being divided as a band what I have to say is interesting is in terms of that, you know, first off, you're right. It was it was a really deep song. But what I found most interesting about that was when the album was made and the fact that they actually tracked it track by track and they could go to the master and actually pull things in and out. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it just seems like when things are recorded, it's just one giant blurb and you don't have that ability. Well, no, they do record it that way. You know, you do have the ability to do that, but... What kind of struck me was they went back and they did it. It's not like, you know, they just recorded the song and they are they're doing it now. This is what did that album come out like 2001, maybe 2099. Let's see. Somewhere in there that album came out. And um, give me a second. Well, while you while you go on. 99. 1999 is when it came out. See, you have a computer. I have a smartphone. Well, that's why you get a computer. Getting back to this, um, it's actually the last track on the album, and I I can't say enough about it. If you've never heard it, go buy it. All right. <laughs> Number four. 
Number four, tripping on a hole in a paper heart. Okay. You know, it's a short song. I think it's only like two minutes and 48 seconds or something like that. But mm-hmm. there's the energy to it. And you know, every time, every time I'd play hockey, like I always had that song in my head. I don't know why. It just, it motivated me. I don't want to say motivated me. That might not be the right word, but it it was one of those things where I think the pace of it and everything kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Got you amped up. There you go. Thank you. It, it turned me up to 11. Womp womp. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go. Yeah. In. And I think, I think the mm. other reason too is because I think for a while the New York Rangers were using it at like their home games. And that would explain it. All right. So my number four. I'm actually going to stay on the same album. You like number four, don't you? I do. And what surprises me is that it's a buried album. Like, nobody plays anything from it anymore. Okay, I'll give you that. It's, you have Core and Purple, where everybody pulls all their songs from. Maybe every now and then you'll get tripping on a hole, but that's it. Um, But I really enjoy Sour Girl. So I I, I actually I toyed with putting Sour Girl on here. I really did. There's I, something I like the song. there's something about this album to me that just sounds right. And he does something this, very different. Was this also the album that had Big Bang Baby? No. 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 Um that was um You sure? That yeah, that's um uh, Tiny Music Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. Okay. That's the one where you'll find Trippin on a Hole. Yeah. But um, going back to this one, Scott Weiland on this one does something completely different with his voice. And that's something that re- he really did on this whole album. He did just something different. And it wasn't your prototypical Stone Temple Pilots either. They sound very much so not like the Stone Temple Pilots on here. And that's not the reason why I put it on here. It's They show their ability to be something different. That's why I put it on here. See, I like Sour Girl because it was just, it was a mellow song. It was a mellow song, but then you have, um, like, Creep. That's a mellow song, but they sound like the Stone Temple Pilots there. This is just something completely different. It's, I, I can't explain it. It's just so different that it's right. And this entire album, I remember when it came out, it was a big thing that the Stone Temple Pilots were putting this out. And a lot of people, I think, were kind of taken back by the album. Because it wasn't your typical... It wasn't the prototypical Stone Temple Pilots, but I liked that they were able to not only break away from what they did on Core and Purple, but show that they were more musicians. And with Atlanta, that was... Yeah, that that was incredible, the way that they did that. Sour Girl, I like... I don't want to say I like it better... But it just ranks higher as a Stone Temple pilot song than than Atlanta. And I've only liked Atlanta for, I'm not going to lie, for like a month and a half. So I'm trying to remember, was that, was Sour Girl the video with the Teletubbies? I have no idea. I have to look this up now. See, well, uh, while you're doing that, maybe you can explain what your number three is. All right, give me a second here. Number three is where's my list? I'm trying to multitask. Unglued. 
interesting choice. I I always like that song. I like that. I love that riff in the beginning. Okay. It's, you know, and just, I also like how, how you're, you're, it's weird. It's hard to explain this because I know there's a lot of songs that do it, but I think this was one of the more successful songs where you have verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, verse one, end. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, there's songs that do it. There's plenty of songs out there that do it. But this is one of those ones that it's, I think it's more successful. I think it's that when he does it that second time, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit more oomph and attitude to it. I could see that. It's not like, okay, yeah, okay, we're going to separate this. We're going to copy it and we're going to paste it. No, it's here's the first version. And then towards the end, just balls out. Right. All right, now, if you know the video to this next one, I'd be surprised. I'm staying on number four. Number three is the lead track, Down. Oh, God, I don't remember the video off the top of my head. I don't know if there was a video, to be completely honest. I was going to say, I don't know if there is or not. But this is one of... And obviously, because it's on my top five, it's one of the best songs they've ever recorded. Your people are expecting me to say like, "Oh, Interstate Love Song." Yeah, no, 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 no. That didn't I like make, that didn't make my list. I like heavy songs, and this is the heaviest they ever were. This is just head and shoulders above the rest of the album, and yeah. I like number four. Obviously, the top or my first three songs I've given you are from this. And there is a video. I just never remembered it. Okay. I'm actually kind of intrigued now. Well, you can watch it later. But uh, definitely, if you haven't heard number four, obviously, I've been preaching about it. You need to hear the album, go get it, re-put it on your computer, whatever you have to do. But down is one of those deep Stone Temple Pilot songs that I, I have never, say, ever get played. I have to say, from actually hearing the song a few times and watching the video, I actually think the video is kind of cool. Like, talk about low-budget video. I love the low-budget video. Like, it's, it's fucking cool well, as you hell. know what? It makes sense that they went low-budget. It was the first time that they're coming back, and they didn't know what they were going to be doing or how it was going to work. And they should have put the kind of thought that they did into number four into their, I think it was self-titled album. Their last album that they did together yeah, as a band. Was it self-titled? I don't know. It was the I one with the, the weird the, thing, yeah, the weird thing on the cover and yeah. it was red and yellow, but red that one gold, wasn't yeah. great. This one, this is how you do a reunion album. This now, now is are, really are your good. your next two from the same album, are they also from number four? No, they're not. Okay. All I was right. about to say it. Anyway, I guess, we, I guess we go from number four to number two. Yes. All right. This God, is where, you really do need to hire a writer if this is how this is going to go. This is where Pokey has... See, this is why I'm not paying the checks. This is why you're writing the checks out to people. Remember, that twenty nine is going to come from Matt's pocket, not mine. I got to come up with a writer. See? There it is. There's the reasoning. Anyway, on to number two. This is where I have the tie. Okay. So... I have Big Empty, mm-hmm. which is another one of those like mellow 
ish songs, which is why I like it. Like, okay, I have plush, I have tripping on a hole in paper heart, I have unglued. Like, those are all like the I really don't want to call it heavy, but the, like your typical '90s grunge type songs. Okay. And then you get Big Empty, which is just something mellow. And as much as I love grunge music, you still got to have some mellow mellow stuff to it. And I'll admit, I, I, I thought about putting Interstate Love Song on here, tying it with that as well. But I just, Interstate Love Song was so overplayed. And yeah, it is mellow, but it doesn't have the same feeling as Big Empty. And then the tie, go back to the typical grunge here, Cracker Man. Like, I love the song. I love the effect that he does. Like, I love how he takes the megaphone into the microphone. And just gives it this really weird... You see, this is where I wish I had one. You know... Seriously, I, like I know it doesn't sound the same, but no, not even close. <laughs> you see, well, I need a writer and I need a megaphone. You can scrounge around on eBay and find a cheap megaphone. Probably could be like the Fisher Price megaphone. Exactly. So and it comes with a siren too. Oh, that'd be so cool. Anyway, so yeah, I love that effect. I love that that thinking outside the box maybe that was just the hey we're in the studio and we're stoned and oh shit there's a megaphone I always wondered why there would be just a megaphone just sitting in a studio randomly you know in all the studios that I've ever been in I've seen I've we've had megaphones and toilet paper that's like the staple for a freaking studio you have to have a megaphone and you have to have toilet paper not tissues or napkins toilet paper Well, I mean, if you if you go back and you you listen to Saint Anger, they had a friggin' what was it nail, a, a nail set? What was it like a nail manicure type thing? Yeah, I'm sure that they bought they bought that. They didn't actually have that there. No, they but bought I'm it. Ta- it was like some. I'm talking like legit. Like you walk in the studio. Why is there a megaphone? And toilet paper. Well, wait. Where's how many? Where are the where are the tissues? We got any tissues? No, we got toilet. We got toilet paper. Yeah. Okay. How many times have we been in a studio? Like four or five? Well, you've been in a studio four or five times. I've been in studios many a times. See? All right. So you're tied with number two? I'm tied with number two. And I'm sorry, Interstate Love Song does not make my list. Okay. All right. Well, my number two, and it's, like I said, it's not coming from number four again. But Holy shit. For me, uh, we're going to jump over to... Where is it? What album is that on? I thought it was on this one. Oh, it is. Duh. Okay. So, we're going to jump to Core. Okay. And we're going with the lead track off of Core. We're going Dead and Bloated. I like I like t- the I like the beginning to that. You want to talk about megaphone effect? Uh, you know what? That's that's what I was about to say. That's that's the megaphone effect, in my opinion, because you need to have some strong lyrics to want to accent them that way. And then the riff that comes after it. I like. I actually say the one thing that, that really got me on that track, I love the drum track. 
Like it's it's just the way that it's mic'd up. It's it's hard to explain it, but it's actually really it's it's really shit. I don't want to say loud. Loud is you know anything could be loud, but it just gives the, the ama- right punch. The amount it's okay. In the early 90s and the late 80s, I think I know what you're going for. Everybody wanted that gated reverb type sound. So it would hit, ring, and stop. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's the sense of space. And it does it really well. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. And just the way that it was put together and the fact that you put that song as the lead song on the album. Was that their first album? Core? I think so. It came out in 92. I think so, too. Which, again, goes to your whole megaphone to have your debut album be Core. And if I'm wrong, again, you're you're at a computer right now, so if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Now, I'm almost 100% sure that this was the, 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 um, the debut. And so actually, yes, I am right. It is the debut. So for your debut album, the first words of the first track are echoed on a megaphone. Yep. Like, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, there's no, uh, there's just so there's so many good albums that don't take chances, and this is one of them that took a chance on the very first track, the very first time you're hearing them, and it wasn't even the the song that. Everybody, you know, wet the bed over. No. No, everybody loved uh, Plush. And mm-hmm. then there was Creep. And then Sex Type Thing. And I think Dead and Bloated doesn't get enough credit for what it did. It doesn't. It does not. And you know, even Wicked Garden, I think. Wicked get, Garden was... I think it gets a little bit more than it you should. You know what, though? Wicked, Wicked Garden goes back to the whole thing with, with why I did not put interstate love song on here because it just got overplayed in this area yeah like I let me tell you something there are songs that are really good really great amazing should make lists and stuff like that and they don't make my list because this area overplayed the shit out of them I agree if we were to do a Guns N' Roses list Welcome to the Jungle and Sweet Child of Mine wouldn't make my list just like if we were to do a Kiss list, as big of a Kiss fan as I am, rock and roll all night wouldn't make my list. And how do you feel about Karma Police? That shouldn't make any list. <laughs> if you are in the the, uh, the, the New York, New Jersey that, area. The only list that will make in the New York, New Jersey area is number one on the most overplayed song. I don't think I've ever heard a song played more than Karma Police ever. There is out. no Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, New Kids on the Block, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, pop song played as much as... Karma Police. No, literally Karma Police. If you're not in the New York, New Jersey area, if you are, you, you if you listen to you know exactly, K-Rock back in the day, you know exactly you what know, we're talking about. You know that song is played every, literally, I'm not even kidding, every 15 minutes. If you're not from here, be thankful if you're a Radiohead fan that you could still listen to Karma Police and actually enjoy it. All right. So, 
on to number one. Yes. So number one, and and if if this isn't on your list, then there's something wrong with you. Number one is sex type thing. Nope. Can I throw? You know what? I have a life proof case. I can actually throw my phone at you, and not worry about my phone. If you want that phone back, you will not throw that phone at me. Yeah, but yeah, sex type thing is on here. And to me, that's that's if you don't have that on your Stone Temple Pilots list, then you need to have your head checked. So you better have you need to check. You need to take more. You better have something on there that I could sit there and say, "Eh, okay, all right, go ahead. Vaseline. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong for not having that on my list. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> but at the same time, it's the a, same could be argued with. I don't think so. I think Vaseline holds up way better as a number one song. Think about it. This is the song that you probably will go to outside of Interstate Love Song that you would know the Stone Temple Pilots by. And the riff is catchier, in my opinion. It's more catchy than sex type thing. And... It, it, any sort of 90s compilation that you're ever going to hear, any cover band that you will ever go see will play Vaseline. I love the song. It's my favorite Stone Temple Pilot song. And I'm sorry, sex type thing to me is mediocre. There's not, you know what? I think in a sea of all things done right on core, it's just another thing, not the thing. Like, Dead and Bloated was the thing. Sex type thing was meh. But sex type thing was one of the things that people always turned to. People didn't always turn to Dead and Bloated. People said, oh, sex type thing. I, I like Dead and Bloated better. I do too. I'm, it didn't make my list, unfortunately, and it's, it's something that got overlooked, and I'm sorry for that. I actually kind of fucked up that input on my list. There you go. So, before we move off of Stone Temple Pilots, I actually, I actually was bullshitting back and forth with Joel, mm-hmm. and I asked him to give some of his input, and he actually sent six as well for Stone Temple Pilots. All right, run down real quick. He didn't tie any. Okay. Number six, he had plush. Yep. Five was Big Bang Baby. Mm-hmm. Four was Interstate Love Song. Mm-hmm. Three was Big Empty. Mm-hmm. Two was Wicked Garden. Uh huh. And one was Dead and Bloated. Once okay, so he's got some good taste. But once again, <laughs> every everybody goes towards the more popular Stone Temple Pilots, and that you know what that's one of the things that I, I have it, to it say. Big me. Bang Baby wasn't that popular. No, it wasn't. But my my thought process is you got to open your mind up because. Once again, maybe I'm guilty of this too, and I didn't hear Atlanta before a month and a half ago, but that is one of the best songs that they ever did that nobody ever played or ever got. Just go listen. That's all I'm going to say is just go listen. All right, so we're going to save our runbacks for the end of everything. All right? You see, I actually, I didn't even write this down this time. I actually typed it, so it's actually pretty easy for me. All right. Now, pick number one or number two. Oh, what the hell? Let's go number two. Number two is David Bowie. Cool. 
All right. You ready? <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it wasn't meant to sound that way. It was it was one of those things. <laughs> no, literally, I'm like holding my phone in my hand, and, and I just I got caught up reading because my mom sent me a text message that she just got a cat. So. <laughs> All right. Well. That being said. Be that as it may. Um, so I'm going to start out by saying this. I am not the biggest David Bowie fan in the world. Neither am I. I like. I'm sorry. I like some of his work, and uh, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Obviously, because this is my list, and if you don't like it, maybe you're a bigger David Bowie fan than I am. But, um, well, I'm going to say this: I don't have as much information on Bowie as I do the other two, just because maybe Bowie was a little bit before my time. Maybe I didn't get into Bowie enough as much as I should have. But Bowie definitely has a lot of great work and I am not afraid to tell you where I've heard some of these songs because fuck David Bowie did everything he he did everything (laughs) it's everywhere and you don't know about it until you're looking to find out who it is that's my take on this you know I am let me preface my list by saying I am not the biggest David Bowie fan either but the songs I have on here some of them are just because it's it's a different sound than the others. And the one thing that I have to say that I give David Bowie a lot of credit for is that he took that experimenting with sounds to a whole new level. Oh, absolutely. And I think when we talk about bands like, I know you mentioned Radiohead. I know you meant, you know, I've always talked about Nine Inch Nails in the past. Any of those bands who have like that electronic element to them, mm-hmm. if they aren't somehow influenced by David Bowie, I'd be shocked. Oh, I absolutely agree. I I think I even read someplace that Trent Reznor did say that David Bowie is one of his influences. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it makes sense. If you listen to David Bowie songs, you're just like, I can see it. I can really, really see it. And, And there are very few artists who are like that. So let's jump into it. What do you got? Number five. All right. So number five, again, this is one of those songs where it's different from anything else. And that's fame. Yep. As, as much as, as much as it's one of those songs that you're just like, okay, this could be really annoying. At the same time as it could be annoying, you listen to it because it's different. It's like, it's a groove more than anything else. And for me, because I, you know, I heard the song years ago, and it kind of just faded away from me. But um, just like the, the, the new the song does, it just kind of fades away. Really. <laughs> but uh, what actually brought it back for me, and I'm sure everybody's seen it, the Cadillac commercial. Yeah. That's what brought it back for me. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's one of those things where it's always been that one that that like I said it's different. It's one of those ones that had to make my list. But again, in the New York, New Jersey area, it's overplayed on classic rock stations. I'm sorry. And that's fine by me. And I can't sit there and say that it's that it's not that that's why it's on the bottom of my list. It's just legit. The next four songs are are, in my opinion, better. Okay. All right. So my number five, and this is uh, one of those situations with Bowie where I didn't know it was Bowie until I heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or until I looked it up, excuse me. Um, so I first heard this song on um, the Couples Retreat movie. It is the opening song. 
when they're going through the opening credits of the movie. Uh, it's Modern Love. I I didn't know it was Bowie, and I listened to it, and it just hit the right way. I, it hit all the right notes for me. It was very well produced. The lyrics brought me in, and to say that his voice on the song was phenomenal is doing it an injustice to me like I said I'm not the biggest Bowie fan but I will openly admit I love some of his work and this is one of the best songs that I've heard from Bowie and it's not played anywhere no it's not except that movie but um yeah that that's it I just love it so what do you got in number four Again, this just if you know these songs, you'll actually see where I'm going with the diverse with the diversity. Dancing in the street. Van Halen. No. Wait, didn't he didn't That's, he do it with Van Halen? I don't know if he did it with Van Halen. I'm pretty sure he did it with Van Halen. You gotta look that up. I so think I thought I know. Van Halen did the did a cover of it. Maybe. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. Check it out. But, I know it's def. I know it's definitely on Diver Down. Yeah, that I know. So while you look that up, I'm going to talk about it. Go on. It's one of those songs that's like really upbeat. If you're having a great day, you just have to put it on. It it makes a it makes a great day greater. So do we have a, a response on this? Do we have an, an answer? Well, I know Van Halen did it. Um, I don't have an official listing if it was done with Bowie. Okay. This is where it's where we go to the computer. Um, but see, th- this is killing me, man. No, you know what? He, they just covered it. It wasn't with him. Okay. Because I was gonna say th- again, it's a song that makes your great day even greater. And whether you whether or not you know the Bowie version, which is what I'm putting on here, or you get that I don't want to say more popular, but you get that other version, like you said, Van Halen, where you can actually you can actually hear it if you're thinking about the two, you can actually hear David Lee Roth. Yeah. You know, it's it's a great song. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's it's upbeat. Did it, did it even make your list? No. Because I have something else on here. And we have uh, well, four other things. Well, well, you'll see what I mean in a little bit. So my next song. Um, okay, I first heard this one back in maybe 2002, 2003. When, I think they're old, man. God, you have no idea. I feel old as shit referencing something from 15 years ago right now. Um. I felt old as shit asking asking somebody they ever heard of Pearl Jam and getting the response of who? Yeah, that's the world we're getting to. But um, when the first Guitar Hero game ever came out, one of the songs that not only was annoying as shit to get past, <laughs> but it was played so much with me trying to get past it that I actually started to really like it. That's Ziggy Stardust. Uh I like the song. It's it was mixed and done in such a way 
and this is probably just going to be me. I don't know if anybody else is going to understand what the fuck I'm saying, but the sense of space in some of David Bowie's songs, it's incredible what they were able to put together for the song. It sounds bigger than life. The guitars are very open. There's a lot of, a lot of, like I said, a lot of sense of space, a lot of, if you know what reverb is, a lot of reverb to where they're playing. It's like if you're playing in a big open garage, the way that everything is just done, it's put together in such a way that I I can't explain it for it being so annoying to fucking play on Guitar Hero. <laughs> that uh, I'm sorry. Every time I hear the words Iggy Stardust, I think of the horrible Family Guy jokes. But you know what? It's a great song. You can make as many jokes about it as you want. It, it's I, not, I it's, like Ziggy it's Stardust. Not, it's not a joke about the song. It's just... And you know what? You, you, know, you know what, what is, I'm talking about. Yeah. And you know what else is weird about this? And I mentioned this in one of our prior podcasts. Don't ask me to remember which one. It's been a while. But one of the one one of the um the things that I've said about some Beach Boy songs is you don't know how they put it together. It's just a sound, and it's there. That's what this is to me. It's a sound, and it's there. Like there's so many things that they've got going on. Like it's simple yet complex. It's very hard for me to describe. It's just there's a lot of things going on at the same time. And wasn't this wasn't mm-hmm. this? I remember what podcast it was from. That was from our top 11 musical influences. There you go. And I think the Beach Boys were someplace... I know they were in your top five. So I, You've got me. Possibly Let's put it this way. Four. If you remember that much, you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> I don't remember that, but... it's You know what it is? It's just that I remember them being in the top five because I remember it being on part two. And just knowing you as a person... And knowing the music that was played around you, mm-hmm. like I'm sure, like our parents have like raised us on all these music. Oh, absolutely! You know, like most people. Hell, you and guess what? We're gonna raise our kids on all these music, which is going to consist of Pearl Jam and Nirvana. How does that feel? <laughs> it's not oldies. <laughs> <laughs> That's listen, what they said about their music. <laughs> listen, well, you know, my kids will will hear some good stuff too, but. You know, like like you guys have heard me talk about Barry Manilow. How many people know who Whoa. the fuck Barry Manilow is? All right, let's 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 reel this back in here. Okay. All right, but it's just a sound. It's there and it works. And I really enjoyed it after I beat the fucking song on Guitar Hero. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's number four. All right. So number three. That's normally what comes after four. If you're counting down. Ground control. The Major Tom. I didn't tell you to put William Shatner on this list. Ground Control to Major Tom. I'm sure that's where you heard that song first. <laughs> no, actually, it's not. Oh, really? Yeah, no. I. First off, it's way overplayed in this area. You're like, listening to some different things than I am. You no, know, if you listen to uh, to the classic rock station over here, it's played a shitload. It's like one of three David Bowie songs that they play. Okay. Um, but Space Oddity, there was, what I like about it is I love that whole intro, that ground control, the major Tom, and then layered with that is the, you know, 10, 9, and it's layered over layer over mm-hmm. layer, 
and then as soon as you get to one it just it erupts and it's not like erupts like oh my god in in your face no it erupts into a different layer and then you get like that that classic like just riff mm-hmm. that and it's mm-hmm. it's just it's a very well layered song and it's one of those things like I said David Bowie experimented with a lot of sounds and that I don't know if that's the first song of its kind like that but to have it so well layered I know it wasn't the first one because I could tell you the Beatles White Album and Revolution Number Nine, yeah, that will fucking trip you out. Yeah, um, no, but I know what you're saying with this one. I mm-hmm. agree, it's not one of my favorites, but it's no, a good song nonetheless. It's see, this is where we start to, like I said, if you take my my first three in this case, you take Fame, Dancing in the Street, and Space Oddity, all totally fucking different. Uh huh. Wait till it, you get to the to the next two. Well, I I can tell you that. In heaven right now, there is a rock concert that is going on that has been many a moons in the uh, in the making. Mm-hmm. And are you going where I think you're going with this? Yep. Number three is under pressure. Well, we could t- stick on that one for a while because that's my number two. Okay. So <laughs> this one is just. Uh, this is what music is supposed to sound like. See, I don't. Here's the question, because we, I know we, we've had this. Like, I know David Bowie's on it. Mm-hmm. I know Freddie Mercury's on it. Mm-hmm. But is it a Queen song or is it a David Bowie song? But that's uh, that's kind of the allure that came with something like this when mm-hmm. everybody wasn't so crazy on digital media rights and things like that. Uh, it, it was, it was a very different world. So you could have potentially the same song on two different albums. And you know what's actually really cool with it is that their vocal abilities in that actually blended so well. Oh, it, it's incredible. There was a video. Um, somebody actually managed to hack out the, the music and just leave the vocals. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that video. It was holy shit good. And now, I mean, you know, now that I think about it, I do specifically remember that this is on both the David Bowie greatest hits album and, and on the, the Queen, Queen greatest hits yeah. album. So yeah. And and was actually really cool about this song was on the Queen greatest hits album. I think it's like a 3 disc album. Yep. And the third disc is the um the tribute concert for Freddie Mercury. Mhm. I'm trying to remember. I think it was was it Elton John who actually did this song with him? No. It's actually Queen and Bowie doing it together. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Um, No, you know what you're thinking of? You're thinking of Elton John did um, The Show Must Go On, which is one of my favorite Queen songs. The, yeah. And um, George Michael did Somebody to Love. Mm-hmm. But as far as... Was this just Queen David Bowie or... I know I saw well, a video it's, it's of it's Annie Queen Lennox and, Bo- and David Bowie doing it. Yeah, there's nothing on that album like that. Under Pressure's some weird mix on there, but no, yeah. it's, it's actually... The real track is on disc two. Mm-hmm. And for Bowie, uh, on his greatest hits, it's number 13. Yeah. 
but it's but it's such a good song their vocals play so well off of each other and if you haven't and the message behind the song is is great right and if you haven't seen the video online of the you know where they hacked out the music and it's just their vocals this uh, i am not even joking this is what a vocal talent is and what music is supposed to sound like it is by far one of the best vocal performances on a song ever mm-hmm so, so th- what's number two for you? All right, I was just going to say that. Because number two for me was Under Pressure. Uh, hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> We're going to go to Suffragette City. Hey, like, you're all alone on this one. Why? Suffragette City is a great song. This do you is- realize, hang on, do you realize so far... The only song on this list that we've had in common is Under Pressure. And this just shows the diversity of David Bowie. And one of the things that I really enjoy about this one is it's super simple. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of guitar, bass and drums, a little bit of piano. I'm not sure if there's like a small trumpet in there somewhere in the background, but it's just simple. And the way that he dualizes vocals on this and the production value seems so simplistic. And it's, in my opinion, one of his most popular songs. I, I really enjoy this. This is one of the few songs that I can hear over and over again from Bowie and not get tired of it. You know, obviously fame has played a ton. I can't listen to it like this. Suffragette no. City is just a great song, in my opinion. Hands down. See, again, like I said, fame to me, it's played a ton. That's the only reason it ends up at number five. And I have to be in the right kind of mood to hear it. But to me, it's it's an essential Bowie song. So that's why it's mm-hmm. number five. All right. But anyway. Let's do number one. Number one. Number one for me is Heroes. Hmm. Okay, I have something to say about that, but go, go on. ahead. No, no. All right. Heroes, to me, was ruined. Well, not ruined. Bowie's version was ruined for me by The Wallflowers. Because I love the cover of the song. And when I heard the original, I was very disappointed. Because I heard the cover before the original. And uh, if you were, I want to say, a teenager around the late 90s, one of, at least in my opinion, one of the biggest soundtracks that came out was the Godzilla soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And uh, Green Day was on there. And then the Wallflowers were on there with this cover. And I played the shit out of the cover and I loved it. Bowie's version of Heroes, yes, it's the original, but to me, it's not the song I remember growing up with. See, That's my problem. Here's the thing. I'm the opposite. The Wallflowers version was the first version of the song I ever heard. Then it's like, as again, you go, you listen to the classic rock stations and everything like that. Then you hear Bowie's version. And you're just like, David Bowie, there's something. His vocal presence in this, actually, in my opinion, even though the Wallflowers are what we heard first, there's just so much pu- more punch behind his voice. There's so much more emotion, so much more feeling. Right. And even and even the 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 guitar, the sounding, everything, it's more 
heroic, you know, <laughs> like I hate to use that word, but right. it it really encompasses the whole notion of hero. Like it encompasses it. And I don't think that any cover of that song could have done it justice. I mean, the wallflowers came close. It's it's one of those songs though that when you compare the wallflowers to that just the way that David Bowie's voice is just pushes past and like really say this is heroes. Okay. I I can agree to that, but like I said, the cover just It was a it, great cover. It was a great it was a great cover, but just going back and hearing the original after listening to that one for so long, it's like what happened to it? <laughs> it got I don't better. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, this one is going to cause some controversy. Uh-oh. I know it is. Uh-oh. The first Bowie song I ever heard was completely by accident. I heard this one, and I saw the video on MTV. You gotta, you gotta love those, the ones that you hear by accident. I was... You didn't see it on the box? No, I didn't see it on the box. I saw it on MTV. It was probably later on at night, because... You sure it wasn't this the is, box? You sure you weren't trying to sneak no, Playboy in there? No, if I'm going to watch anything at night in the mid-90s, it was definitely going to be some scrambled porn channels. See? You, you, you sure <laughs> you weren't watching the box trying to get Playboy? No. Um, so, we talked earlier that Trent Reznor's hero, one of his heroes was David Bowie, mm-hmm. and he actually got to work with him. Yeah. The- Number one is I'm Afraid of Americans. Such a good song. It, and you know what? And this I'm not going to give you shit for it. This is true diversity at its finest because you could say that Fame was like a funk song and Bowie did a lot of pop stuff and then he did, you know, his rock stuff. But when you can step out of that into the world of Trent Reznor's head and <laughs> the sound on this song and the vocals, like, there, I don't know. Did Trent Reznor even sing on this, or was it just Bowie? I think it was just Bowie. It's something I'd have to go back and listen to again, but it's definitely Trent Reznor's influence oh, in terms of the in terms of the the music and the comp. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the composition, but if they sing together, and I'm not a hundred percent sure if they do, it just blends so well together. Bowie really and truly is the chameleon of rock and roll of music really not even a rock and roll yeah he did so much with just vocal like his vocal abilities on every single one of these songs like with suffragette city it's completely hollow his voice is so shallow so hollow maybe it could have been the production work but it was just so well done then i'm afraid of americans is completely dark and it's from the the mind of Trent Reznor you can't argue like every single one of these songs is completely different Modern Love is very well produced and just a very well done song Ziggy Stardust is kind of in the same category as Suffragette City Um, maybe did a little bit more on there but Under Pressure is the epitome of what a musical talent should be and a vocal talent Mm-hmm. This is dark. This is very messed up sounding like like you it's honestly the song sounds like murder. Yeah. 
Like not like murder like, in a, like, a bad way, no, but like, like stalker murder. Like yeah. that's what it sounds like. This is the vibe. It's such a creepy song, but I love it. And there, there's it, not going to be any controversy yeah. on my on my side of it. Okay. I mean, that's that's the thing with maybe David somebody Bowie. who's a hardcore Bowie fan is gonna be like, really, that's your number one? No. But here's to, here would have been the controversy. The controversy would have been if you didn't have under pressure. No, that would have been controversy. No, not at all. Maybe having it at number three, but we'll leave it at that. No, that again, that's it's on your list. Right. <laughs> all right, and finally, we wind up. At Motorhead. Wow, I didn't have to pick between like one or one. No. <laughs> if you had to pick between one or one, you'd be wrong anyway because Lemmy's God and that's it. Who would win in a wrestling match? Lemmy or God? Uh, people in heaven will find out. <laughs> um, yeah, so with Motorhead. Um, what is there to say about Motorhead? I can say that I... Once again, I'm not the biggest fan of Motorhead. I'm not I'm not going to be one of those guys that jumps on the bandwagon. I love what Lemmy has done, but to listen to every single Motorhead album cover to cover, I have not done that. And I can tell you that right now. Okay, I'm I'm not going to lie here. I'm again, just like you, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm not going to sit there and say I'm the biggest fan. Um cover to cover, I'm I haven't done. I probably not even I'm not gonna lie I'm sorry I'm not even gonna attempt it you know but I look at Lemmy in regards to one thing um as a bass player the way that he played bass like it was a friggin lead guitar I mean that's that to me is the lasting mark that Lemmy left on me and he's one of the very few bass players to actually play Marshall bass amps. I don't see very many people doing that. Plus, he has his own. He had his own signature. Mm-hmm. It's, I you know, it's a very unique sound. Yeah, but again, it's. I mean, people made fun of me because I played with a pick. You know, I you know mm-hmm. I got knocked down a lot for playing with a pick. Right. You're one of the few who didn't. But let me play with a pick, and let me play like. Why are you playing with four strings and not six? Like, yeah. let me play thrash bass. His bass was fucking badass, too. That shit was a nicely carved bass guitar. Mm-hmm. All right. So, let's... So, that's that's the influence Lemmy left on me. Okay. <laughs> so, let's get into it. What's number five? Number five, and this just shows... This shows what I'm talking about when I say I'm not super Motorhead fan. Mm-hmm. Number five is... Evolution, the song that was done for WWF or uh-huh. WWE, whichever you want to call it. Okay. Um, you know when you had Ric Flair, Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista together, and they formed the group Evolution. Um, this song was made just for them, and to me, it's one of those songs that was pretty cool. I actually, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and being no, huge, you never. Being a huge pro wrestling fan, I have to say what Lemmy did for the WWE was incredible. Oh, absolutely. You know, and watching the live, I didn't watch the live version 
I watched on like YouTube, seeing some of the uh, eulogies that were left to hear what Triple H said about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's incredible that here's a guy who has such influence not only in music, but then when you get into like an industry like pro wrestling, how many artists out there do you sit there and say, yeah, that's that's pro wrestling? Really, I think only Motorhead. Don't get me wrong. Disturbed mm. did like a track or two. But like like when I think pro wrestling songs, I'm like, Motorhead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one of my favorite stories to actually come out of that, because the, uh, the eulogy that, he, that Triple H did leave was um, a very like touching one. Mm-hmm. Um, the story where um, Triple H and Stephanie actually went to go see Lemmy and Motorhead perform because they were in the same town at the same time and he went back to his dressing room and Triple H started saying that uh, you know when he first walked in you know there were like tons of girls topless and fucking this mound of blow and everything and um, you know Lemmy was just in his like his underwear (laughs) and uh, you know Stephanie comes walking in too and he stopped Lemmy stopped everything kicked him out and uh, everybody was wearing clothes and just just being super respectful in front of Stephanie. Yeah. So I thought that was a really, really funny who, story. Who was it? I'm trying to remember the eulogies now. Who was it that uh, had a baby and bought the baby and, and he just like put out his cigarette and everything? I don't know. I didn't watch too much of it. The one that the, the eulogy that Dave Grohl gave yeah. was another really good one. Mm-hmm. But um, those are probably the, the two most memorable ones. Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember actually reading stuff, and I remember I can't remember what artist it was, but they had just had a baby, had the baby on tour, went back into into Lemmy's dressing room, and typical Lemmy smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and as soon as he bought the baby and just like put the cigarette out like right away, no questions asked, no no guff about it, you know. Yeah. So anyway, you're number five. All right. Back in the, once again, the late 90s, early 2000s, it was a very confusing musical time for me. I pretty much enjoyed everything that was out there at that particular time. You know, I wasn't really heavily dedicated to to rock and metal at that time. Did you enjoy the Barbie Girl song? Who didn't enjoy that song? I'd rather listen to that song talk about what's wrapped up in plastic and it being fantastic than listen to anything that's out now. I even said okay. That's you know, song, that song is actually pretty catchy. Okay, I, I can't fault you. But I'm. We'll go off on a side note really quick on this. I had this discussion the other day at work that I would rather listen to anything that came out from 1994, 93, 94, somewhere in there, to the late 90s and early 2000s than anything that came out now. And I'm including. Fucking new kids on the block. I'm including the Backstreet Boys. I'm including In Sync. I'm Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. You know, any of the, I any. To, I have to admit to one thing. But any, of, hold on, any of that music is far better than any of the shit that's coming out now. I have to admit to one thing. I think as I've gotten older, I've gained more respect for In Sync, Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. I've gained more respect for them now. I will not say that I've gained respect for them. I've... I see their contributions. 
there have been so many more contributions from them than there has been from anybody now. Like, 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 hang on, hang on, because we're talking about we're going way off on a side note yeah. here, and we're talking about music from like, like super uber pop, like I'm a Barbie girl music and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Why don't we do a topic on guilty pleasures? I think we can get into that. I think we could get into that. This way, this way, we could save this, get off of this side conversation, get back to what's important. All right. That's why you're bringing me back. Look at this. All see, right. isn't this something? You see, we're getting there, people. We're getting there. All right. So going back the to the hamster hop back on the wheel, getting back into the late 90s and early 2000s, um, you know, it was a big you know, a big time for music for me, just listening to everything that's out there. And yes, at one point in time in my life, I was into professional wrestling. And this is at the time when Napster was kind of big and you were trying to search for songs with the wrong names and the wrong artists would come up. Cause I remember trying to find like degeneration X underneath rage against the machine. And it wasn't rage against the machine. It was somebody else. But one of the songs that I really wanted to find and I could never find was the game motorhead because in my opinion it is one of and once again hardcore motorhead fans are gonna hate me but i think it's one of the biggest badass songs that they ever did there that you can say like other songs as they have and we'll talk about them later Uh, i have it at number three on my list okay and i'll go more into it okay i'll take the pro wrestling aspect to it okay you can say that you know there's other songs that are more badass than that but think about it to write a song for a professional wrestler him actually like it and for the company to like it enough to let him use it and to create a whole character around it and he was to embody it (laughs) and and he was the biggest badass for such a long time behind it I mean, they had other songs like you. It's amazing if you saw what Triple H started out as. And he, you know, he had other songs done by them, like that Evolution song I didn't like. Evolution, and The Game, King King of of Kings. Kings, Right. Which is his new one that he's using now. You know, I don't, The King of Kings is better than Evolution, but it's nowhere near. The only reason I liked Evolution, like I said, is that it didn't apply to just Triple H. Eh. It I, actually it doesn't matter. I'm it going, actually worked for the whole group. It doesn't matter. I'm strictly talking, uh, being like a complete and utter fucking badass. The lights, the if any you put any other song with the lights and the entrance, it doesn't work. No, not at all. Lemmy and Motorhead are badass enough to put together something that held so much weight, and honestly, I think to a minor degree. Could have gotten more people interested in in rock or metal. I think pro wrestling in general has gotten people into rock or metal. Uh, well, not I'm not going to go there. All right, number four. Number four. So we mentioned eulogies, and I know we mentioned Triple H's eulogy, and we've pretty much talked WWE on our first number fives. Mm-hmm. But you also mentioned Dave Grohl. And one of my favorite songs is from a group called Probot, which was Dave Grohl with special guests. Right. And a track that he did with Lemmy called Shake Your Blood. And the cool thing with this, with Probot, was that every instrument was played by Dave Grohl with the exception of the guest instrument. 
So every instrument on this was played by Dave Grohl with the exception of the bass. And what Lemmy did for that song, besides Lemmy's unique vocal abilities, was the bass riff he came up with. (laughs) It's just, it's pretty cool. You know, I wouldn't call it, it's not like badass, like you were saying, like the game, but it's, it just showcases what he does in terms of playing a bass guitar like it's a lead guitar. Right. And it fits your typical motorhead mold. And, you know, if you were to take it lyrically, fits your typical motorhead mold. But it's just, it's slightly different. Fits the mold, but it's different. All right. I got one for you. All right. My number four. All right. Motorhead actually, over the course of their history, have done a few cover songs. And talking about fitting the mold and being something different, and this wasn't done intentionally at all. Um, Number four was a song from back in 1957. Louie Louie. Hmm. The song that everybody knows and loves from Animal House. Motorhead actually did a cover of it. (laughs) And it is interesting that they chose it. Lemmy's vocals, still Lemmy. Very much rock, very much metal. But it fits it. And it's extremely different. There's not there's not much this. <laughs> there's not much that I can say bad about it. I've never heard this song. You've never heard Louie Louie. I've heard Louie Louie. I was about to say. <laughs> but I never heard the Motorhead version. Oh, it's so good. You know they actually did a cover of uh, the Stones as well. Did they? They did. Oh, what was it? Sympathy for the Devil? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting to hear Lemmy try to do something melodic. Actually, you know how I knew that? What what was amazing is again I said I messaged Joel and Mm -hmm. he was like going on and on about that song I actually think that made his yeah that was his number two he only gave me three Mm -hmm. well four because he had two at Tide Um, he had I'll read I'll read his at the end of this alright but Sympathy for the Devil is actually his number two alright so we talked about your number three no we talked about my number four no we talked about your number three what the game the game Oh yeah, but I was gonna touch touch on it a little bit more. Go on. See, I'm gonna give it from the from the pro wrestling fan aspect. So you're right. It's a completely badass song. Triple H embodies it. It's he embodies that more than than he did, you know, the D Generation X. You know, than he did that song. Right. And if you know how Triple H's character started, it's come a long way and the badass thing fits him so much better um but what's cool about it is that I was I've been at many 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 WWE events and I remember when Triple H just came back from having surgery I think it was on his he was on like a torn quad or something. Like it was, it was pretty bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was out for months and he came back and it was at the garden. And I'm just like, I heard that song. I'm like, Oh shit. Like it, 
you just know that there's an ass kicking about to about to come. You know, I saw him and Shawn Michaels wrestle each other, and he came out to that song, and he's just carrying a fucking sledgehammer to the ring. Like, he embodied that song. You knew as soon as you hit that, and you knew as soon as you hit a certain point, you know, he's just going to get right on the side of the ring, like right on the side of the apron there, and just fucking spit that water out, and it just has such a cool effect. It is a badass song. And from the pro wrestling fan aspect to me, Sure, his new thing now is King of Kings, but it just doesn't work the same. You know, you, you hear that song, he gets up on the side of the ring apron, does his thing with the water, and it's just like, it falls flat. Mm. The game, I haven't seen that any of that in at least 10 years. To me, the game is just, it fits his character. It embodies the character. It embodies pro wrestling. Um, and it's like, anytime I hear that, those are the things I think of. I think of Triple H coming down with a fucking sledgehammer, <laughs> ready to kick somebody's ass. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you knew what was going to happen as soon as you heard it. Okay. Now, there's nothing that comes close to doing it. Nope. Well, you would know better than me. Like I said, I haven't heard this stuff in forever. The only other signature song in wrestling that you know what's about to come is when you hear the entrance music for The Undertaker. Right. That and The Game are like the only the only two songs where it's like fucking hell's about to be unleashed. All so right. that's the pro wrestling side of me. I am a huge pro wrestling fan. Anyway... So we talked my number three. What's your number three? All right. So we're going to talk, I think, their attempt to kind of go mainstream. And it's one, It's another one of the songs where you see it and hear it, but you don't realize it when you first hear it. It's the opening credits to the movie Airheads. It's Born to Raise Hell. It's on their Bastards album. And I think if you could have taken any Motorhead song and tried to make it mainstream, I think that was their attempt at it. But it's just such a good song. It's a fun song. I mean, there's not too much to say about it. It's just a straightforward, you know, great song. Lemmy's vocals. And Lemmy makes an appearance in the movie. He was the editor of the school magazine. And and his voice behind it was great. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Some of the some of the lines in that movie that were uttered by by like rock stars, like Lemmy with the I was the editor of the school magazine, or uh, oh god, what the hell was the other one? The I used to masturbate constantly. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. There are some that that movie has so many lines. I, I, we could do a podcast on that fucking movie. If you alone. haven't, if you haven't seen uh, Airheads, it's Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler, and Steve Buscemi. Uh, they're a band that they call themselves the Lone Rangers. How could you pluralize Lone Rangers? There are three of you. Anyway, um, they they're essentially a band that just wants to try to you know get their music heard and get signed. So they take over. Uh, a radio station just to try to get their song played and then this whole thing ensues but you have to you have to watch if you're a fan of rock and roll and you haven't seen Airheads or you haven't seen it in years 
I know I say this about a lot of things, but you need to go watch it. It's such a good movie. You know what I learned from that movie? That I'm not the only one out there who plays D&D. Ugh. All right, number two. You're cut off. By the way, while we're on that song, that's my number one. Is it? That's my number one. Oh, man. I know. I'm sorry, Motorhead fans. I'm going to get the hate mail. I just, like you said, it's a fun song. That's why I like it so much. I I love it because it's fun. Okay. So where did he leave off? Number two. Sorry, Motorhead fans. <laughs> number two for me is Ace of Spades. Okay. The only reason it's number two, again, this goes to the fucking thing that Pokey hates the most. It's overplayed. It's not overplayed. It's over fucking played. It's not overplayed. It's overplayed. Where do you hear it now? Now. <laughs> now now there's like no fucking rock stations in New Jersey. Okay, where did you hear it that it was so Fucking used to be overplayed as shit on K-Rock. I don't remember them ever playing that. Dude, that was like... Anytime you heard a Motorhead track, it's like fucking Kiss. Anytime you hear a Kiss track on a fucking radio station now... It's rock and roll all night. Anytime you hear a Motorhead track on a on a rock radio station, it's Ace of Spades. Well, let's put it this way. So it's because of that reason. It's number two. Okay, let's put it this way. That song is a treat when you hear it now. It's not. It was never overplayed, in my opinion, to the point like Karma Police was, or nothing uh, or, could be as overplayed oh. <laughs> as Karma Police. But okay, that, shit. There's that. The and two then, VHS oh. tapes of Annie that I went through as a child were not as overplayed as Karma Police. I don't want to know why you went through Annie so much, but because anyway. I love that. Oh. My two favorite movies as a child were Annie and Beverly Hills Cop. All right, put and, that together for you. Yeah, to, you're weird. But no, like K-Rock consistently overplayed, like we said, Karma Police and anything, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like when Californication came out, it was like a kid watching porn for the first time. It's like, oh my God. And literally every five minutes was something from Californication. But Motorhead definitely was not overplayed like that. So anytime you hear it now, it's a treat. Now. All right. My number two, it is not Ace of Spades. Number is that two, your number one, it better be number two. If it's if it's not number two, it better be number one. We'll get to that. Number two is the first time I heard it was Metallica's Garage Inc. They covered it. It was an okay cover, but you hear the original. And this is not like the Wallflowers one that we talked about with Bowie. This fucking <laughs> blew the cover away. I understand why Metallica covered it because Lemmy was a very big influence and Motorhead was a very big influence. But Lemmy and doing fucking Overkill is bananas. It is the best bass playing I've ever heard. I don't care who plays bass in fucking Metallica. I don't care who plays, you know, bass in the Chili Peppers. You know, Flea, I know Flea plays, plays bass, obviously, but his style of bass playing is nowhere near fucking Lemmy. Lemmy takes the fucking cake for a bass player for me. Lemmy, on this song, this is all about the bass. Yeah, the guitar work on it, There's, it's in there. It's all about the bass, about the bass. Shut the fuck up. But he just rips the bass to fucking shreds. And to sing along with this... His vocals 
like you talk about a badass song in the game this is a badass song of all badass songs forget wrestling forget all of that this is just I want to play music and I want to sound like that that is what this song is and the like two or three false endings that they have on it they just keep going and going and going it's such an energetic bass heavy driven song and I I don't understand why more radio stations didn't give anything like that a chance it's it's different it's it's bass heavy and that's probably I, I that's why yeah that's probably why they didn't get much of a chance like you had to realize yeah Metallica gets played Metallica made it huge on radio but did anything off Kill 'Em All really make it huge? No. No. Did anything like Megadeth do except for like one or two tracks make it big? Not really. Did anything Anthrax do make it big with the exception of the crossovers? No. So anything that's like thrash really didn't make it big. And considering when Motorhead came out, <laughs> Motorhead is like, super thrash this song is yeah like every thrash metal band if they don't say that they are influenced this goes back to the David Bowie thing if you're a thrash metal band and you're not influenced by Motorhead then you're not a thrash metal band I'm sorry let's put it this way this song if the other if you've heard if you've heard if you've heard this song picture this song coming out in 1979. Here's the other thing that I think hurts Motorhead. Their production quality. Again. I don't have a problem with the production. No, I'm saying like we don't. But think of radio. I think that's why radio really had a hard time with it. Don't get me wrong. Again, I go back to the thrash thing. I think that's the number one reason it didn't get the airplay. Number two is I think so much thrash metal music has it's very difficult to have really great production quality on early late 70s early 80s thrash metal. I agree that yeah it's not going to be the greatest but then compared against everything else that came out at that time it doesn't have to be super great production value because nobody really was concerned about production value like that at that time. What I think didn't make it big for them was the whole concept of thrash it's was so far out there that I think radio was afraid to do anything with it but now with like Metallica and Master of Puppets and you know Megadeth releasing their new album and things like that I think people now can take that chance because there's so much there are so many other things out there that are so far extreme that this seems tame. If you go and give it a chance, I think it's better off, you know, or you, you know, you, you would have a better shot of actually gaining an audience to listen to something like that. That's my opinion. All right. So your number one was born to raise hell. All right. And again, it's it's nothing against, you know, again, I mentioned why Ace of Spades was number two. But like you said, 
Born to Raise Hell was just such a fun song. And it's one of those things where I hear that song and I think of the movie. If I hear a line from the movie, I think of that song. Right. And I mean, considering it's not like the biggest movie ever. I mean, it's if, it definitely helps pull the, the movie together. If you're if you're somebody who's like into rock music, you're somebody who's into radio. So in other words, you're you're a nerd like you're a nerd like us who's sitting in a in a studio. Then it's probably one of your top five favorite movies. Probably. Yeah. All right. So this num- is our Harry Potter. Oh God. No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not our Harry Potter. All right. So number one. You seem to think that not putting Ace of Spades on this list is wrong. Well, good thing it is on the list because uh, it's I was number about one. to <laughs> I had, listen. I had the phone. No, I, if it, if it wasn't for be. the if it wasn't for the fact that there's still coffee in the coffee cup, <laughs> this has to be number one. You can say whatever you want. This has to be number one. Motorhead will forever be cemented in rock legacy because of this song. This track, I mean, it. this is Lemmy. This song yeah. is Lemmy. There's no other way about it. Lemmy is and always will be the ace of spades. His freaking Marshall bass head has ace of spades on it. I think his hat had the ace of spades on it. Yeah. This is Lemmy. There's no other way around it. And I think to a certain degree, it's Lemmy kind of telling the story of Lemmy. And, you know, he always said, you know, he never wanted to live forever. I mean, granted, we know that, but uh, to sing about it, to put it into words, sometimes it's hard for a lot of people. He's putting it out there, just letting it all fucking hang out there, letting everybody know exactly who they were. And you say is overplayed. I say I can go into any metal rock bar anywhere and play this song three times in a night and nobody give a fuck. No, I wouldn't give a fuck. Like you could play it ten times right now. I wouldn't give a fuck. It's a great song. And and to me, this goes back to what I was saying with earlier, where Lemmy played the plays the bass like it's the lead guitar. If you listen to that song, you hear the bass and then you hear that lead guitar faded in the background yeah absolutely so so that's what I was saying earlier when I say the thing I take away from Lemmy is his style of bass playing because every Motorhead song it features that bass yep the lead guitar is just like that's the background the lead guitar is the rhythm guitar yeah the lead guitar is the bass in this situation (laughs) And, and and there has never that's what makes Motorhead unique now again just because I said a song you know it's overplayed and that's why it's number two cool that doesn't mean that you can't sit here and put it on ten times in a row and I'll get sick of it I fucking love the song nah but to me overplayed is I can't listen to it oh in certain cases yes but this is one of those ones that you could overplay the shit out of it and I can still listen to it. I can still occasionally stomach rock and roll all night. 
as a Rammstein fan, I can occasionally stomach du Hast. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it's, but it's, it's, this is a song where, yeah, it's overplayed a shit, but I can listen to it all day long. Mm-hmm. It's just because radio has overplayed it. I, I can't put it at number one. All right. If you ask anybody to name their their favorite Kiss song, they'd probably say "Rock and Roll All Night," and then they'd be lying to you. I would. I wouldn't say such blasphemy. All right. So let's reel it back, and now we get to go down three top five lists. Ain't that something? All right. So go ahead. Go. We'll go band by band. So, the Stone Temple Pilots. So my number my number five was Plush. Then tripping on a hole in Paper Heart. Then unglued, then the tie for number two with Big Empty and Cracker Man, and sex type thing. All right. So for me, uh, number five was Atlanta, number four was Sour Girl, and number three was Down. All from the number four album. Speaking of Down, Mm -hmm. if you ask me, Down is like the foundation of what would become Velvet Revolver. Uh, yeah, I can I see what you're saying but considering none of the band members were in Velvet Revolver except for Scott Weiland that's the thing like I think that that like I said it's a foundation okay uh, number two was Dead and Bloated and number one is Vaseline alright so let's go on to Bowie for David Bowie I had Fame four was Dancing in the Street Space Oddity was number three, two was Under Pressure, and one was Heroes. Okay, and for Bowie, for me, number five was Modern Love, number four is Ziggy Stardust, number three is Under Pressure, number two is Suffragette City, and number one is I'm Afraid of Americans. You know, it's funny, I forgot to to mention this one too, like I said, I was bullshitting with Joel and he sent me all of his. Uh, For Bowie, he had, uh, for six, Young Americans, five was Life on Mars. Four was Ziggy Stardust. Three was Space Oddity. Two was Modern Love. And one is I'm Afraid of Americans. Okay. So he's right there with you on number one. All right. And now Motorhead. Motorhead. Let's see. Back to my list here. Uh, Number five was Evolution. Number four was Shake Your Blood with Dave Grohl. Number three was The Game. Number two was Ace of Spades, and number one was Born to Raise Hell. All right. Number five on my end was uh, The Game. Number four was Louie Louie, The Cover, which I still can't believe they did that. Number three was uh, Born to Raise Hell. Number two was Overkill. And number one, The Ace of Spades. Of course, the only place that song could possibly ever be. But... Um, again, don't hate me for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and again, I'm going to... Joel only gave me three, uh, and one of them is a tie. So number three, he had Overkill or Stone Dead Forever. Uh, two was Sympathy for the Devil, and one was Ace of Spades. Right. The bold so, place it could be. So again, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail. As you've heard in previous seasons, I love hate mail. I welcome hate mail. It's the best thing in the world, and I love reading it. But... um. You know, once again, we want to thank you for coming back for season number three. And honestly, I mean, this had to be the thing that we did coming back for season three. I mean, there's just been so much going on at the beginning of this year and the end of last year that uh, we really needed 
to speak to, um, you know, when it comes to all this, this death. I mean, I honestly, Dimebag's death was a huge thing for the metal community when it actually happened. Um, but I mean, we have, I don't think we've ever seen anything that comes even anywhere close to the amount of deaths that have happened at the beginning of this year for, you know, impactful musicians. It's insane. And it just keeps going. I mean, I don't know what's going on, what's in the water. I don't want to drink that water wherever it's coming from. But, um, I, I think uh, that I, I now all of a sudden have Dave Matthews band in my head. Thanks. You're welcome. But I think that, you know, coming back and having to talk something like this is a very strong topic and something that definitely needed to be discussed. So I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the little roller coaster of emotions, uh, you know, coming back in this extra long podcast uh, to bring you back into 2016 with us for season number three. So and thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us. And by the way, I, I just have to say because Pokey actually managed to pull you out of a ramble. Really? You're going back to that? Well, because I want people to know that they need to stay tuned because we're going to talk about the guilty pleasures. Barbie girl. We're going to get to guilty pleasures. And believe me, Barbie girl is not on that list. Um, Might be on somebody's list. We'll see. But, you know, once again, thank you for coming back and listening to us. And, uh, you know, we got so much more content coming up and you know really hope that you're going to enjoy this so we are they go to 11 i'm matt and i am tripping on a hole you're tripping on a hole in a paper heart pokey thank you see there you go and wow it's usually (laughs) you like give the see i pulled you out of a out of a ramble and you gave me a a name wow isn't that what the hell happened A lot happened. So where they go to 11, turn it up. We'll talk to you next time. Later. Later. What did we...